I was not sure whether we were going to have a show in between Christmas and New Year's, but not only do we have a show, this week we have Frank the Tank Tally on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer! Like I said, I wasn't sure whether we would have a show in between Christmas and New Year's, but uh, not only do we have a show, but a good one with Frank the Tank Tally. And uh, Frank Tally is an unlikely Elite Series hero. And what I mean by that has got nothing to do with his abilities or whatever. It's just, it's so hard to go back after you stepped away. I mean, just think about it. People listening to this, I'm sure there's a ton of people listening to this that whether it be fishing or another sport, you know, you were focused on at one point in your life and then life just gets in the way and it pulls you away. Not a bad way, but it's just life. I mean, you, you, you have a family and you have all sorts of blessings like that, but it's so rare that somebody actually does that and then comes back and starts working on a dream they had when they were much younger that they literally forego because of their family. But the cool part about this story is his family literally had an intervention and not a negative intervention. When you think of the term intervention, I mean, it, it's, I've watched that show and it's never got to do with tournament fishing, but not to say there's some tournament anglers that do not need an intervention in their life. There, there definitely is. But Frank Talley's family literally sat him down and had an intervention and said, man, dad, you took, you pulled away from all of this for us and you gave us so much but now it's time for you to start focusing back on making it as a tournament angler. And he literally, you know, qualified, went, fished the opens for one year, dominated, qualified for the Elite Series. And literally, when I say he's unlikely, being a guy that got the opportunity to come back, he has become one of the most popular anglers on the Elite Series amongst the Elite Series pros just because of the person that he is. Um, and, and I thank him for that. I mean, Frank Talley and his family um, have been through a lot. But the amazing thing is no matter what they go through, it seems like they take that experience and they teach us. But really, I mean, on the Elite Series, that's some of the bad things that have happened in Frank's life have turned into some crazy teaching moments for not just myself, but pros in the Elite Series. It's just, I mean, dude has life figured out. That's all I'm going to say. Um, despite things not probably going the way you would have envisioned. But he uh, makes no apologies for any stage in his life. And man, the, the guy, I mean, that's all I can say about him is, is Frank Talley has things figured out life-wise and um and i think his family does too and, I, and i'm thankful to have him on the elite series and really i mean you've heard enough of me talking it's uh you're all hopped up on uh chocolates and whatever crap you got for christmas this is the few days where you really just don't know what to do you know until new year's except for eat more things um and that was not a segue into frank but here he is frank the tank tally my buddy Frank the Tank, thank you very much for joining our little show here this week. And it's the grand finale. It's the last show of the year. 
and the grand finale could be done with nobody but Frank the Tank, correct? Hey, that's right. You know, I mean, hey, you save the best for last. I've been trying to get on this. It's harder to get into this uh, to this uh, podcast than it is to get into the White House to see uh, Biden. <laughs> well, um, uh, I don't I, I don't address politics because I'm Canadian, uh, but you know how to get on here. Just jump in my DMs. I'm glad you're here. Now, let's not live in the past. And let me ask you a question. I've never asked you, were you Frank the Tank before? Will Ferrell was Frank the Tank in that movie, or or do those two have anything to do with each other? Actually, Dave, I was Frank the Tank about six or seven years ago. I was Tallywhacker. 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 Yeah, growing up through school, you know. That California. You went to. You grew up in California, right? Southern Cal. Yes, sir. They call a lot of things different. Like they have different names for for you know, reads and all sorts of things. So Tallywhacker doesn't seem that bad. Strong um, nickname. Well, you know, I hesitate to, to let the world know about it, but, you know, it is Tallywhacker. So you don't want me to introduce you as Frank the Tallywhacker. I mean, I kind of, Tallywhacker's nice. I like it. It, uh, <laughs> But, dude, you are different than, than most just because simply because of when you chase this dream, you know what I mean? We far too often, we talk about elite series rookies and things like that. And they're young kids, but dude, kids is the reason that you held off on chasing this dream. Can you give me kind of the reader's digest version of, of, of your growing up and, and where you decided not to chase this dream anymore? Yeah, Dave. I mean, be honest with you. I was a kid myself when we had kids. Me and me and my wife Christy, we uh, we ended up having twins. At she got pregnant at seventeen, had twins at eighteen. So I was a kid myself, you know. And so you want to talk about reality? Just slap me in the face and and be like, "Hmm, we better get going on this." But honestly, I grew up with a good dad, good mom, good family values and stuff. So I wanted to know. I know that as soon as that happened. I had to step up and be a dad. So, you know, and I enjoyed my dad showing up to all my ball games and that type of stuff. So I just went ahead and did the exact same thing. And, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. You know, I got to, I got to see the best times of their life, you know, and now heck they're, we're empty nesters, you know, we've got a grandbaby and, you know, before you know it, it's hard to even get them to come over anymore. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. It's amazing how they, how they change over the years, but at that time when you said, hey, I, I mean, I don't think you probably sat down and said, hey, I'm not going to chase this anymore. You just, it's reality. It's life. I've got kids. I got to, but did you really think that like at that, it, in your heart, did you really think down the road, I'm going to chase this again? Or did you just think I'm just doing what I got to do? Yeah, just doing what I got to do, to be honest with you. You know, I actually, they're the ones that came to me, you know, in 2017 and said, dad, it's time. It's time. And I'm like, oh, Okay. All right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I thought about every day. Honestly, I thought about honestly, just raising them and making money, setting up retirement, that type of thing, you know, just trying to get by. Um, and before you know it, they came to me at 17 and, you know, 2017 and sat me down and they're like, dad, it's time for you to chase your dream. You've, you've been here for us for the last 20 plus years. And now it's time for you to cut loose and go. And I'm thinking, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, because I was all right with fishing around the house and that type of stuff. You know, I mean, I, I was glued to Bassmasters just like you hear all yeah. the stories, you know, and I kept up with the sport, but you know, and then 
in 18, I joined the Opens, and before you know it, I just had a heck of a season, and before you know it, I'm fishing Three the top four top 12s, right? Like that, yeah. I mean, you dominated. That, that, that's the other thing that needs to be pointed out. Sometimes you guys qualify through the Opens, and people are like, oh, yeah, they made it through the Opens, and nobody, but you literally, you won Angler of the Year that year. You're three out of four top 12s, I think. Like, and when you look at the people like trying to make the Elite Series, how were you able to do it in your first shot? Like, I mean, it, it seems like it's getting harder, but it's not like it was easy the year you did it. No, I mean, at, at that that year, I mean, a lot of the elite guys had fished that, you know, fished the opens and stuff like that. I just, I went in there with no preconceived notions. And honestly, a lot of people say, Dave, they do things for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that maybe that's the right way to do it. You want to do it for yourself before anybody. I didn't want to do it for my family. I didn't want my kids to walk into the local grocery store and say, you're a uh, Frank Talley's uh, kid and he sucks fishing. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's just the reality of the, of the, uh, my thinking is I wanted to be that guy that my family could be proud of. And they said, of course, you know, typical family, just like anybody's family, we're proud of you no matter what daddy, whether you come in last year or first, well, I'll be honest with you. When you played baseball, if you didn't come in first, I wasn't proud of you. If you didn't get a good hit, you know, I'm, I, this participation trophy stuff is is for the birds. You know, I wanted to I wanted to show them that I could do it, and I wanted them to be proud to, that to call me dad. You know, do you think you would ever? Did it change the way you fished and your just your freedom just by having them? Like, if you had a sat them down in seventeen and said, "Hey guys, I think it's time for me to go back." I would imagine in your head as a dad, I feel like in your head, still even you asking them would have been one thing, but for them to come to you, you're, you're almost like it's not, I don't know. I can see why you take it on. Like it's not just your dream. It's their dream that you guys all. So did that, did that give you a freedom almost having them come to you? Oh, sure, Dave. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it made me feel like instead of my idea where they're just, you know, root me on and support me because it was my idea. It was actually their idea. So, I mean, I knew that they were a hundred percent committed to, to watching me do it. And, you know, the first tournament at Ross Barnett, I mean, I show up and I really did not expect anybody there. And next thing you know, I mean, on day two, here they all are just like on my first, well, my actually the first day, first weigh-in, they're like showed up out of the blue and drove, you know, and I'm like, wow, I do have some good support, you know, and I knew it. I mean, we're so close in our family, you know, of course, I don't want it to sound like, uh, you know, roses and uh, potpourri, you know, we all fight, we argue, I get on their butt just like the rest of them and they get on my ass, you know, I mean, the bottom line is I get, heck, I get stern uh, talkings to from the kids more than, more than most guys do, you know, but I appreciate that because that's the way I raised them, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's real. It's it's life. I mean, when you're a little kid, I remember thinking, well, maybe you go through life and everything will go just perfect. And it doesn't matter. Even the most perfect person you see in social media, everybody deals with different hurdles and things like that. But but I, I will say one thing your family's got figured out is just that, that we're family and, and family doesn't end. Fam family supports each other. And it's it's really cool, especially at big events like the classic and stuff like and I got to imagine it's cool for you. And I don't even know if you notice it as much as I do, but like this past year at the classic, I'm working down all like I'm walking in front of you guys, trying to get to everyone. He has send you off. And dude, you got Hank Cherry, who's the defending champion getting cheers and everyone's getting cheers. 
but there's always like two or three people that have the loudest pop and you were one of them. I mean, do, do you even notice that at the time? Or is that just something that the announcer pays attention to because he's not focused on more important things like going and catching a bass? <laughs> I do hear it, Dave, no doubt, but I don't realize the the extent of the you know of the loudness and the and the the cheering and stuff. It's more, I mean, hearing you announce my name, whether it's on the Elite Series stage or takeoff, unbelievable. That's still to this day. That's what gets me motivated, and I, and I'm not saying it to stroke your ego it's just the bottom line is i mean there's guys that have come back to bass just to hold those fish up on the stage and and hear you announce them coming in and leaving the boat dock in the morning and there's nothing better than that i mean it's, you're giving me goose pimples right now i mean just thinking about it talking about it i just i love it i love it when you came back was there ever a part of you that was there any days that you were like, well, maybe I shouldn't have followed this dream or, or from the moment you came back, you felt, you know, this, this is the right place to be. I, I, I felt since day one, that this is where I, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, you know, especially with the success in 18. But I mean, the bottom line is, is, you know, a lot of people just, they they want to go ahead and act like oh there's there every day's a good day on the water i have my bad days and i'll be yeah. honest with you you know and that's and and i know that when i hit that stage and you call me up after my song and stuff like that and i gotta put that smile on even though i've had my teeth kicked in you know and and it's one of those days it's just but you know what when i get out on that stage it's all worth it you know that, regardless if i catch one fish or i catch you know 25 pounds that just that being up on that stage and, and talking to you and stuff just gets me pumped up. It does. It's awesome. Look at that crowd out there. It's beautiful. It, the crowds are what messed me up. Like I, I said it um, a couple of weeks ago at a meeting and I showed some pictures and I, and when I was saying it, I really thought about it and I'm like, there's only one group of anglers that gets that. And I'm not just talking in bass fishing. I'm talking, and this is not me sliding on anyone that, I'm talking in the world. Like there is no other fishing organization that that cumulate. Like when you look what happens, St. John's river and Waddington and stuff like that. I mean, it amazes me that that many people come out for what do you think it is? Is it just the, the Bassmaster dream? Is it just what we all grew up watching or? Sure. Oh yeah. And the opportunity to actually see, you know, fish being brought to the scales, but also just to be one. This is the one of the few sports, only sport that I know of that you can actually intermingle with the, with the pros and, and they can come out and visit with us and ask us questions. And then you go behind the stage and you're signing autographs and stuff like that. It's, it's exhilarating when a kid looks up to you and says, man, I seen you on Instagram and I follow you and congratulations doing good here. I mean, the, 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 the personal aspect of, being able to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your fans, there's there, there's no other sport out there that you can do that, you know, no doubt. What was it like to – because I, I would imagine it would be different for you, and maybe I'm totally wrong, but I, I look at people trying to make it through. I mean, I'll, I'll use a guy's name who hasn't made the Elite yet, but I had him on here a few weeks ago, Cooper Gallant. I mean, a young guy who has fished tournaments his whole life. That's all he's ever wanted to do. That's all – and he's and there's other young guys that are at the same you, you know what i mean if you look sure. at the comments you see other guys whether they made it or just a few spots they're all cheering each other but i would be, feel just simply by being just a little older than those guys 
you might be a did you you know what I mean did you feel less part of that when you came to the elites or did you feel you know more like I'm a new guy like I got to get to know all these people or did you know most of the people on the elites already by that point no no I actually didn't know a whole lot of them you know just a few of the ones that I fished with in the opens and and other than that I mean a lot of them were were honestly they were legends to me and they were you know people that I looked up to I mean I told John Cruz one time that I said, dude, you're a legend. I remember watching you on California Delta winning, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I followed Bass. I've been a student since the eight early eighties, you know, and, and, and he like, he was drawn back by it. And then Clark Winlet, another one, I always call him, you know, the old legend, the old man, cause we live 30 minutes apart. And he's like, I'm no different than you, Frank. You're my peer now. I mean, we, we're, we're together. You're, I'm no different than you, regardless of my accolades and what I've won. You know, you're, you you fish just as good as I do because you're here, you know. And so that's awesome to hear stuff like that. But, I mean, a lot of those guys, I mean, they were they were Bill, Dollar Bill Lowen. I mean, that dude there, I've been watching him just, you know, consistency for his whole career. And to be able to fish alongside of him and every now and then get a get a chance to whoop on them a little bit it's even better but you know most of the time they're doing the whooping and i'm just receiving well you've done your share of whooping you've done your share of whooping at what point during the big whooping <laughs> on guttersville did you like at what point during that day were you like man i think i've won this tournament like what did it take till you got to the stage or was there a certain point or something that happened or something that was said that you were like man i i I think this is actually going to happen. Honestly, um, it was when I came in and my wife come down there and she's crying her eyes out. And she says, I really think, Frank, you won this son of a gun. And I said, well, she said some explorative stuff. <laughs> she said, I think you, you won. And I said, you're crazy as a bed bug. I said, they're the biggest sandbaggers on tour with this bass track. I said, she said, they got you up for like three or four pounds. I mean, you know, and I, she said, do you have – I mean, you, you're showing only having 16. I said, well, I think I have more like in the 18 pound range. She said, okay, so say they're off three or four pounds. You've got a couple more pounds. I think you want it. And that's when the electric, I mean, the, the, the jitters and the bugs went through me and I'm like, oh, well, maybe. And then Wes Logan's mom came up and congratulated me and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, wow, I don't know. But then, you know, then I heard Randy had caught him good, you know, and, and, if he wasn't busting bills off his crankbait on bridge pilings, you know, he <laughs> had a shot and it was just exhilarating. So I wanted it to be like that. I mean, even though when it was all said and done, it was a three pound win, but up until that minute, it was like an ounce. And so yeah. that was like the, you know, it wasn't like you just, it wasn't me eating pizza at the dock knowing I had won by 20 pounds. It wasn't that. It was like exhilarating all the way to the end. And then, you know, being able to converse with you out on stage for the fans and stuff. I mean, we had a great, you know, 10 or 15 minute interview up there in front of the fans and everything went good. And I mean, that's what it's all about, you know, and having that family there to sit there and hold up the the tr trophy. I mean, it's dream come true. It was really cool. And, and it opened, uh, I wouldn't say opened up my eyes, but it really, it, I, I had already had conversations with you and said, like, I, I found you to be a, an incredibly intriguing and a special person. You know what I mean? And, and one of the reasons that it was is, Frank, early on, as simple as it is, you used to ask about my kids. You know what I mean? When I hardly knew you, you wanted to know me. And I was like, so for whatever reason that. But I think 
I get really saw just how much everybody on tour almost has that kind of relationship with you where, you know what I mean? Like the amount of guys that stood around and, and were there for you to walk off the stage. Did that shock you? Did, did you expect that? You know, I don't know if you think about that, but when you saw Seth and all those guys waiting, like literally waiting for you, um, were you shocked? Oh, uh, yes, yes. I mean, it was like I didn't expect that at all. They waited around to watch me and stuff like that, and I just thought that was so cool. You know, I have so much respect for, you know, the Seth and the Johnston brothers and Grow and those guys. I mean, utter respect for them because, I mean, look at Seth. He's the best in the world, and then Johnson boys ain't nothing to, to shake a stick at. And so, you know, yeah, to have that, you know, Brock coming out and just everybody, Brad, you know, they stuck around and watched me. It was like that that meant a lot to me. It really did. And and you know, a lot of people mistake my kindness for weakness out on the on the tour, you know, and, and when I say kindness for weakness, you know, they don't think I'm a competitor, maybe. I don't yeah. know that. I, but that's probably the aura that I give because, you know, ah, oh, you know, that's all right. Go ahead in front of me. You, you can go ahead and fish right here and stuff. It's just I've fought those battles, Dave, and when I in my twenties and thirties, I've done been the guy that permission to come aboard guy to you know do the old you know smackdown on somebody, and that's just not me anymore. I just I I enjoy the sport, and I don't want to get all you know if if the fish gets my blood pressure up, I don't want anybody else to get my blood pressure up, but I want everybody to know out there that. I am as competitive as they get. I'll bet with cockroaches running up the walls, whatever it is. I mean, I, I, am a gambler and, you know, and I love to compete. And that's the reason why I made this step too, is to compete, you know, uh, you know, the club scene and the regional stuff, that stuff's just monotonous, same lakes, same, you know, handful of 10 lakes. No, I wanted to compete against the best, but the adrenaline in the mornings and the, and just the competition, that's what I fish for. No doubt. It's uh, it's an amazing sport, and it, and and I, I I find it incredible how what's happening here. I'm hearing all sorts of noise all of a sudden. Frank, are you hearing that? No, but it says uh, set up professional audio audio. Oh screen. boy, I think your I think your audio screw. Well, hey, if this sucks for the rest of the podcast because got weird audio, we're trying to fix it. But uh, I'll keep talking, and Frank's gonna mess with some buttons, and maybe that'll fix it. I don't know what's gonna go on, but. Uh, <laughs> What is that noise? Is it me? I don't know what it is. Hold on. Let me. I've reconnected some stuff. Is it gone? Can you hear it? No, I can't hear anything. We're back. Look at that. Technical. I fixed it. I unplugged and replugged something and I'm all fixed now. Turns out it was my fault. See, Frank, I screw up a lot of things. And uh, that, that's why I bring in pros like you. What's left for you? You, you won an Elite Series event. Do you look at this? No, sorry, I got distracted by the noise. I wanted to ask you, you said you don't have that in you. You don't have that anger, like I'm going to jump on your boat. Does that come with age or does that come with experience or or a bit of both? A bit of both, but definitely age, you know. I mean, like I said, back in, you know, 15, 20 years ago, guys that know me are like, you're not the same person. You have mellowed out. I don't know <laughs> what it is. You mellowed out, you know, and – but I'm not like a guy like, you know, that wants to fight at a drop of the hat by no means, but you know, I'm not going to get pushed around either, but here in the last four or five, six, seven years, you wouldn't know that because I mean, I just like enjoy everybody's company and there isn't a, there isn't anybody on the elite series that I 
have a beef with. I love everybody. I mean, I'm good. If, if I see you with a blowout, even though you've spanked me on the lake earlier that day, I'm going to pull over and help you, you know, and that's just the way I am. But a lot of people think, oh, this guy, you know, he's a jolly old, big, goofy teddy bear. Well, I am. And, but yet, you know, when, when, when you call it my name, it's all business, you know, and, and that's just part of it. But I, there's no need to carry around a chip on your shoulder, you know. I mean, they're just – let's just go out have a good time and let the best man win. You know, whoever beats the fish up the best is going to win, so. How do you set goals for you at this point in your life? You know, because you – traditionally, if, if you were 23 years old and doing the same thing, we'd talk about, you know, I need to accomplish this to build my career and everything. You, you, you built a career and it, now building a second career. <laughs> um <laughs> What drives you? I mean, you won an elite title. I'm sure that was, you know, make an elite, make the classic. What, what is your ultimate goal? Like, what's what's Frank the Tank's five-year plan in this sport? Uh, for number one, you always go out, at least I know most everybody in this sport does. You go out try to win angle of the year the first, you know, that's, that would be like the ultimate, you know, for – for me, but honestly, Dave, it's classics, and I'd love to add another blue trophy to the to the mantle. But in the same sense, classics is I love fishing that Bassmasters Classic, and I mean that is the carrot, the draw to the Elite Series into the Pro Circuit. You know, for us is the the classic. I mean, yeah. in front of all those people, I, it doesn't get any better than this. And to be able to catch, you know, the big fish of the classic here in Texas this past season, I mean, that was like. I couldn't have wrote it any better. Yeah, I would have loved to win, you know, one. But other than that, catching that big fish and then come to find out that, uh, oh, Ken Duke, he told me that was the third biggest fish in classic history. Wow. Yeah, is what he told me, you know, and he's a status. Oh, he's, he's right. He's right. He, yeah. He, he, so, you know, I mean, heck. So I thought it was pretty exciting. Those sexy shorts weren't bad either, were they? Those uh, No. No, I enjoyed the shorts. I enjoyed the shorts, and so did sort of the crowd. But what makes? Know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go I ahead. I'm gonna say, yeah, just honestly, rack up more classic, more classic bursts, and you know, of course, win, win some blue trophies. That's you know, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I've had a great, a great you know time, great career so far. I I, I love to fish another, you know, ten years, no doubt, you know. But if if it doesn't happen. I just kept staring at the camera talking for a long time. Uh, I don't know what I talked about, but we're going to try and make all that happen, ladies and gentlemen. Let me talk to you, Frank, about what I, we're going to try to keep this going. And if it if we lose you again, yes, I mean, it's it's time for New Year's. Let's go party. All right. Uh, but I, I will ask you, you've mentioned Clark several times. Clark Wendlet, a good friend of yours, a guy who you were a fan of, you know, growing up and that sort of thing. And it amazes me. You look at somebody like Clark, and I know that relationship means so much to you, but what's with our sport? How can you go literally, if you look at his first season on the elites, he had, you know, just missed the classic. Then the next year he wins angler of the year. Like, how is this such an up and down sport? What is it about fishing that like, is it, is, is part of you as an angler, is part of your job to accept that I don't, I'm not in a sport where, you're not going to have ups and downs. There's a lot of downs. Honestly, everything but you showing up to the ramp in the morning is out of your control. That's the, <laughs> the biggest issue with our sport. I mean, not, I don't want to say issue, but that's, in other words, mother nature. You can't control how the wind 
how the rain, the sun, the clouds, you, water height, you know, water level on a lake. I mean, everything, there's so many variables that you can't control. The only thing you can control is keeping, you know, this years yeah. and honestly getting to the ramp on time. That's honestly it and your and your you know casting fundamentals but you know if everybody is so identical in that i mean everybody can pitch everybody can flip everybody can backhand cast whatever the case is that's we're on the pro level you know it's not that it's the variables that you can't control is the ones that can dissect that and pick that apart are the ones that end up their careers are up here with everybody else down here you know and that's the biggest thing and you know, he's taught me a lot. That dude is a fishing mind. Like, I mean, he eats, breathes, and sleeps fishing except for deer hunting season. I haven't seen or talked to him in like three weeks because he's been in Mexico hunting. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, but I know that's where, you know, what his gig is. And, and he does this full time for 30 plus years. So he needs that, that time off and hunting is his release for it, you know. But, you know, he's taught me a lot of stuff about right here the mental side of it and that's the biggest side in my opinion of professional bass fishing is the mental side even if you're a weekend guy it's the mental side you know the guys that can get over that hump it's the bit that's the biggest thing no doubt confidence that amazes me and i you, you say you you claim to listen to this podcast so i'm sure you've heard me ask that question many times about any like i think the least amount that people have assessed just attitude and and that mental side of the game is like 60%. And when you look at it, you're just like, that would drive me mental, literally, when you're thinking about this. So you're telling me I got to control this, but the worse that goes over there, the more messed up this goes in here. How do you separate them? Or is it literally just you focus on the day ahead of you? Or, you know, when things are going bad is what I'm saying. Like when you want to get it back, like how do you mentally it's easy to say, just stay positive. I mean, but sure. somebody telling you to stay positive when things are negative is the worst thing to do. Today. It's like asking someone if they're mad. What are you mad? Are you mad? Are you upset about something? You, you might not be at the beginning, but you will end up that way. That's, that's right. Yeah. What you really have to do is I know telling yourself, Oh, you know, stay positive. I'm going to catch them. You know, no big deal. Somebody else is on your spot. You know, I mean, whatever the case might be, but honestly, just you have to practice what you preach so if you're telling yourself in your mind that you have to literally like woosa, woosa, <laughs> you know and just chill it out and and you know if it takes sitting down for literally two minutes two minutes is an eternity but sit down for two minutes on the deck of your boat reef you know regroup reframe and then go back to to business you know because i mean there's a lot of times i mean in 2020 when I had a really good season, I mean, there's a lot of times I didn't have a fish at one o'clock weigh-ins at two 30, you know, and I mean, boom, before you know it, wheels can be flying off and there's no grease and the spindles done fell off and the brakes. And before you know it, I come in with a limit to salvage the day because you just got to believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, then, you know, and I know that's a, a cliche, but really it is. You got to believe in your ability because there's a reason why you're at this level. It isn't because you just got handed a, uh, you know, a pass that says, here, go see Dave on stage. You know, no, you have to earn it. So when you earn it, you, you've, you've done your due diligence and you, and you have a little bit of uh, that in you, no doubt. And I think something stands up too, when, when you're really good, like when you really get it under control, you'll see people almost shocked that they didn't catch them when that day does happen, because literally they have ridden it so close to the ditch 
They're like I mean, years that Brandon Polnick won Angler of the Year. The that year, several several times it was one thirty two in the afternoon, and he had two three fish in the boat. But because it always works out when it doesn't, you're almost shocked, you know. And I, I sure. guess that's the ultimate in believing in yourself. Yeah, I mean, honestly, is is like it. You would think going into my fourth year, I would have this this immense amount of confidence, you know, and every day when I hit the water, I hate to say it, I'm like, am I going to catch him today or not? I mean, that's just reality. And I'm speaking truthful there. I, you know, even when you make nine straight cuts, it doesn't to me every day. I'm like, what could go wrong? Let's 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 think about this, because if it does go wrong, I need a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And so. I try to look forward to that type of stuff, you know, ahead of time. So if it hits me, I kind of got an idea what's going on, but man, it's easier said than done. That's for sure. Dave, you're right. That no doubt, but you know, good, you know, I've been blessed. I mean, heck I, you know, I just want to, I, I want to be that guy. I love to be that guy. That's uh, you know, fourth quarter, two minute drive, you know, your boy Mahomes. I, I want to be that dude with the ball. I want to be able to, yeah, I want to be able to fire it down the field and, and let her go, and and if that falls on me, and th- this being an individual sport, that's what I want. And in two, 20, 2022, that's I I got to catch them this year. There's no doubt. I, I there's no circle jerking around. There ain't no tiptoeing through the tulips. It's got to be done. I got to catch them, and you know, and I have full confidence that I am going to catch them. And so let's do it. You know, that's all. I'm, uh, that's all there is to say about it. I am fishing some Southern open. So, you know, to kind of, I want to fish more in, on the competitive side, you know what I mean? And nine elite tournaments um, is a lot, but not really. I want to fish more. So that's why I entered uh, the Southern opens to give me three more tournaments. So I can fish 12, but I would really like to be up there around 15 or 18 tournaments. And people say, well, why don't you fish the other opens to, because a lot of it was where I live in Texas, they got to understand that it takes, six hours just to get out of this dang from where I live, just out of the state. And I mean, if I have to go up North when there's no elite series tournaments already carrying me up there, it's a long drive to back and forth to dead run, you know? So yeah, it what. takes six, it takes six hours and you're still allowed to drive 90 miles an hour. Imagine if it was like a normal state where they <laughs> slowed you down a little bit. It'd take you 12 hours to get out of there. You're not joking. I feel for Ray Hanselman. Heck, he's got to spend out four days before I do. I mean, he lives another six or seven hours south of me, and, I mean, he's way down there, and I'm like, no, Ray, I'd be putting a boat somewhere in Alabama and flying to that thing. No doubt. <laughs> What's the biggest difference on you today going into this season? If, if, if you look at where you were going into your first season on the Elites, where is, what is the biggest difference in you as an angler? Um. To be honest with you, it's mindset that they, the confidence that the way I want to fish will catch them on the elite series. So what that means is, is my first year in 19, my rookie year, I thought I had to catch them a certain way because I've seen it on TV or read about it here. And Hey, when they hit this lake, this is how I got to catch them. I did that. And I chased my tail all season 2020. I did Frank the tanks way and I caught them. So, I mean, I mean, you guys were laughing at me. I mean, Zona and you and, you know, catching. Well, no, no. You, I mean, when you come out and say, hey, if I don't make the classic, my wife's going to divorce me. <laughs> I mean, that that's going to turn some heads. I mean, not that it hasn't happened before, but generally most people don't talk about it publicly on the stage. Yeah, well, I'm, I've been kind of a transparent person, but, you know, I'm just talking about 
like being up north and throwing a 2.5 strike king square bill for smallmouth, you know, and cabbage. And they're like, Zona's looking at me like I've done lost a fruit loop or two, you know, but I mean, I caught them, you know, because I just had that mentality that I'm going to catch them my way. And sometimes that does bite you in the butt, but I don't, if I'm going to go down swinging, I want to go down swinging my way and not trying to drop shot in 40 foot of water and all that. And I can do that. I mean, you, like you said earlier in the show, I'm from California. I know how to finesse fish with the best of them. It's just, that isn't what I like to do. I like to fish shallow power fish and, you know, so I'm going to, it's, it lines up good for 2022. That's for sure. Whether I catch them or not, who knows? It remains to be seen, but at least I get to see your old pretty face every time up on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's, it's my, it's a face. I don't know how pretty it is, but uh, I will be there. Um, I think that's the most important thing. Honestly, when you look at people being successful, it, it and I kind of explain it to people, like you see a lot of rookies get beaten out of the elites, like literally like you, and it, to, from the outside, this is what it looks like to me. You, you know, you make the elite series. That, that was the goal. You worked so hard to get there, and you're like, whew, I'm here. I can make all this money and everything. But then you get there, and you realize, like, wait a second. I got to do a lot more. And then it's the first event, and you hear, well, I got to fish this way to catch them on the St. John's River. And that doesn't work, and you get a shot in the jaw. But don't worry, you're going to write the ship the next one. You're in the hole five grand or whatever it is, you, you know, and then boom, you do the next one, you get a shot in the job. And before you know it, you're four events in, you've lost $20,000. You've never fished the way you ever fished to qualify. And you lose control. Like literally there's amazing anglers that that you see it happen to them and they get punch drunk. And by the end of the season, they don't, they're not even remotely the same angler they were the year before to qualify for the opens sure sure and honestly dave it's uh, you know this sport is so much momentum too yeah you get that you get that down downward spiral it's hard to stop that choo-choo train coming down you know i mean you got the bolt bolt brakes pulled back and you're like stop it, sometimes it can't you know and the best way to honestly to get out of a slump and the way that i found is go fishing at a lake that you can catch them on and yep. just beat their brains in, set the hook as many times as you can, try to break rods on them, you know, and before you know it, it doesn't matter if you caught them any way you caught them at that lake, long as you caught, you know, you catch them, you'll come out to any lake and you'll think I can do this, you know, and that's the best way to get out of a slump is I did a lot of fishing in between 20 or 19 and 20 and, you know, and just like went to, every lake I could go where I knew that they might bite and I just knocked their heads off. And then when I, when 2020 hit, I was like, I'll catch them anywhere except Florida. I haven't caught them in Florida in like four years. Why do anglers hate Florida? So much? they either love it or hate it. Why? Because you have to, in my opinion, there's, there's three variables to Florida. One is watercolor. In other words, if you're fishing in, in dirty water, that's about the only state that I've seen that you can't catch them in dirty water there it's <laughs> real hard. And so that, and you have to fish. Another one is you had to fish slow and I'm just not a real patient, slow person. I like to go firing, you know, uh, vibrating jigs and cranking and top water and that type of stuff. And you can catch them that way. But the best way to do it in Florida is once you find some fish, then slow down and really pick them apart. And I think that that's the biggest thing is the slow, you know, 
you've got to have a slow approach and not get in a hurry. You know, you do have to dunk Texas rig worms in there, you know, and that type of stuff. And a lot of guys just like, it just kills them to do it, you know? And then you see a guy like Welcher and I mean, he does good there and he's a fast, fast fisherman, you know, so no doubt, but you know, for the most part, you, that, that state, you just have to slow down. And so, you know, that's, that's the Achilles heel for me anyways is, is, and I've been good on a day, one day, but second day, uh, wheels come off, the tank goes rolling down the tank <laughs> hill. And, you know, before you know it, I look like a big blob of, <laughs> yeah. So does it fear you that we have two Florida events to kick off the season? Honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. I, I, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to tell the, the fans and, and you that I am a little nervous, but in the same sense, St. John's is the one that we've consistently fished, you know, it'll be like four or five straight years now. That one there is a, always a wild card because the grass is gone. It's, you know, everybody knows the grass is gone. So you might find them on uh, cypress trees. You might find them on shell beds. You might find them in lily pads, you know, whatever. But the thing I'm looking forward to about Lake Harris is that I, I got to, I went and stayed and fished that last year, luckily, just because we had snowvid here, you know, <laughs> in yep. after the St. John's tournament. That's and, right. uh, it's got offshore grass on it. And I like that, you know, offshore hydrilla, that type of stuff. And, and, you know, so I'm going to feel a little more at home there because of the offshore grass, you know, but other than that, you know, yeah, I'm a little nervous, no doubt. But if I can get that, that, that ship righted and get out of there with some decent finishes, then it's going to be slugfest. I mean, Santee Cooper. Oh my God. That's going to be. That could break all the records. Literally. If we hit that right, Santee Cooper could destroy every record. I know, but what's scary about something like that, Dave, that nobody talks about is you have to catch consistently 25 pounds a day to even be a thought there, to even be in a, you know, I mean, think about it, guys. I mean, if you really think about it, the fans and stuff, think about the last time you went four straight days, catch 25 pounds every day. I mean, it's a hard task to do. I mean, I'm, I'm for sure one that, that hasn't done it often, you know, for four straight days. And so, you know, catch those century belts. That's incredible. You know, those guys that do that is, is awesome. I'd love to have one though, but they'd have to put like a size 50 for me. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll get you the right one. Don't worry. We'll get you one that fits. I can guarantee you. I'll represent for the big man. I, I uh, I'll make sure I'll make sure that we're taken care of. Um, Frank, one of the things that that stands out in this interview to me and in this chat we've had is is just how positive you are. And we started talking about your family at the beginning and how supportive they are. And um, I have to ask about this because being for, I mean, I lost my dad when I was sixteen. Any family that goes through something that none of us want to go through and, and I can't losing a child. Do you think, I mean, I, I hate to bring that up, but, yeah. I, but I also, I really feel like it's a big part of your story because it has to be like, it's when you go through what you went through, which is the unimaginable for every parent on earth. I mean, it, Harris chain ain't so freaking scary anymore. <laughs> you know, they all, being set back ain't so scary anymore. Sure. Sure. And, and honestly, you know, you're not supposed to, I mean, we're not supposed to outlive our children, you know, and, no. and you know, but what I, what I, uh, what I thought about, to be honest with you is, you know, he's, 
you know, Bubba's in, we call him Bubba, but his name's Raymond. He's in my mind every day, no doubt. And, you know, but a lot of times he's doing something for us upstairs. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, I was the guardian for the family. So I had to be strong for everybody. And, and, you know, for my wife, I mean, she, bless her heart. I mean, and, and, you know, he was a twin to my, my oldest daughter, destiny. And, you know, his older brother to my son, Frank. So it was like, I had to be there for the family. And so I didn't have a lot of time to grief, you know, like they say at first. And so, cause I wanted, I went into proactive mode, you know, I wanted to make sure my family was okay. And, and so, you know, but it's been, um, he was 14, 2007. So, you know, it's been going on 14 years, you know, at four days after Christmas this year. So, you know, you never, you never get over it. You just learn how to cope with it. And, you know, I don't want the, you know, and I've told people in other interviews, I don't want a pity party. I just want, that's why I put his picture on my boat because I want people to ask me about it. Like you had said, I don't know if it's worth, you know, want to bring it up. Oh, there, nothing makes a dad prouder than to, to be asked about their children. And, you know, regardless if he's passed or not, I still want to, I still want to talk about him. So I'm glad that you asked me about that day because it is, he's a vital part of my life and my family's life. And just because he's, he's no longer here on earth doesn't mean that, you know, his memory doesn't, you know, keep on. So I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I, I consider myself blessed. I wouldn't change anything in the world, you know, because, you know, things might've played out a different way with something else. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 I hate to use the cliche, but we, you know, we play the hand that we're dealt and, you know, it's the best way to make, you know, to do it is to just go with it. And, you know, we live in, you know, nobody has a book that says, here's how you do if you lose a, a child. And so we just have lived it, you know, and, you know, we're getting along as good as a family and we're closer. It's made our family closer. Who knows me and Christy, you know, I don't know. We could be, we could have been divorced if something wouldn't have happened there. I don't know. So, you know, it's brought us closer, you know, and, and I just, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's it. No. And I, and I think one of the things, and I didn't ever think it was different in our family until some people, you, you know, as you get older, people start mentioning, you know, like in my house, my dad died when I was 16, but our whole growing up, we would mention things, you know what I mean? It was always part of the conversation and you sure. see, and that's honestly the reason I chose to bring this up to you, not, not to, but also there might be somebody watching this that is dealing with that right now and that they don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Or de sure. dealing with some kind of loss. And I think one of the things that stands out to me as an onlooker is you guys talk about him. You know what I mean? He's still alive in your family. You know, you still have a son, your kids still have a brother. Do you think that's one of the things that, you know, it brought your family together, but do you think that's one of the effective ways to deal with it? Because you hear so many people that just, want to lock it out i i agree completely dave you're you hit it right on the head a lot of people just want to block it out out of sight out of mind and it's just our therapy and the way we dealt with it is to just bring him up and talk about him all the time and i mean you know i i tell my grandson about him you know he's only fitting to be three but i tell him you know you had a great uncle you know and and just you know that type of stuff of course he doesn't understand right now but one day he's gonna 
between the pictures and the stories and stuff, he's going to have, he's going to feel like he knew him, you know, yeah. I'm going to make sure of that. And that's just the way I would, I would want to be remembered. You know, it, he, he made a impact on our life. He was my son and, and he was a brother and I just, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I just don't want people to, to, you know, look at me and be like, you know, do I say something, you know, cause I've had marshals do that and people in the boat, cameramen and stuff. And they're like, do we bring it up? What's that? What's that picture on the side of the boat? You know? And I'm like, ask me, what's that picture on the back of my Jersey? Cause I keep his picture there yeah. on one side and my dad on the other. And, you know, my dad wanted to see me qualify for a Bassmasters classic. That was his dream for me. And he passed away in the opens year that I qualified. So, you know, it bittersweet, but he taught me everything I know about bass fishing. So, you know, I want people to ask me about them. I'm, I'm not ashamed of, you know, what happened or about them. They're, they're my, they're my peeps. They're my family, my, you know, my blood, my, my everything. So I'm good with it. You know, dude, uh, I have more questions, but there's no better way to end it than that right there. They're my peeps. They're my family. And I think that is, that's Frank Talley, man. Honestly, you go um, through the Elite Series and, and you ask people about you and you may not know what the response is because, I mean, they'll never say it to your face. You know, you know how guys are, right? <laughs> but I mean, that that's literally what people basically say about you. He's my peeps. He's my family. Like when you look at, at your relationships and dude, I, I thank you for being so open, so honest. And I thank you for everything you've brought to the elite series because you're, you're a big part of it, man. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I don't mean in stature. I mean, <laughs> you are a big, big part of the elite series and it, it's, it's the soul of the elite series. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you, Dave. And I appreciate you having me on, you know, uh, no better time than I'm spending it with you visiting and catching up and stuff. And, you know, thank you for having me on and one hell of a podcast, brother. That's for sure. Thank you very much. We're going to start a new tradition. I've never done this before. Make a prediction that's going to happen for you this year. We may never play it again, but if somehow it comes true, we're going to look awesome when we play it next year. 100, 111 pounds at Santee Cooper. I'm from you? From me. Boom, 111. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All the ones. I like it. Make it happen. Yes, Make it happen. I'm going to for sure try. All right. Well, Frank, sorry it took so long to get you on here, but uh, there's there's other people that it's taken longer. I mean, here's the truth. If you host, I'm going to teach people, so if you host the Bassmasters, don't ever start a podcast. Because, see, I'm trying to get everybody on, but it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Everybody bitches when they come on. So, um, it's just how it is, but I'm thankful to have you guys coming on. Well, we appreciate you having us, you know, this gives us a little platform and a place to visit with you. You know, you're a great guy to visit with, but yeah, make sure you send that check before the first of the year to me. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get it sent to you. Uh, the fee is shocking. Let's just put it that way. It's not, it's shocking folks. I mean, uh, I've paid for a lot of interviews, but this one was expensive. No. <laughs> Happy new year, Frank Talley. Go give your hug, your family a hug, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Say hi to the wife and kids. Thanks, Dave. I will. You know, a word that gets thrown around a lot nowadays is real. Be real. Be genuine. Be honest. Uh, this is about as real as it gets right here. Um, you guys know I, I've said it a bunch of times, and and the guests can agree. I'm not organized. I don't think ahead. I don't. 
um, plan a month ahead. This is who I'm going to book on the podcast and that sort of thing. Um, generally, it ends up being, I want to do that. Don't get me wrong. I want to. But generally, it ends up being somebody I talked to that week. Um, and, you know, just in, I'm like, hey, we haven't done a podcast together. Let's do a podcast. Um, and that that's how it happened with me and Frank. Um, actually, the first time I asked him to do the podcast was two months ago. And then we both got busy and he wasn't able to do it at one time. So I said, well, we'll do it next week or whatever. We both got busy. Time passed. So me and Frank are talking this week. I wasn't even sure if I was doing a podcast between Christmas and New Year's, but I was talking to Frank and he happened to be available to record this. And um, and this was recorded in total honesty. I mean, I may be held up drunk on a couch somewhere with my family. We recorded this on December 20th. Um, to, to get a couple done so that I can enjoy the holidays with my family and our guests can enjoy the holidays. So, uh, again, just letting you know this so you understand how freaked out I kind of am right now, but it really makes my heart smile. So, we recorded this on the 20th, and I knew Frank's son passed. I knew that part of his story. To be honest, I didn't even know if I was going to bring it up in the interview. Uh, and it, it was a literally a last minute thing where I did, I mean, I literally thought I'm not going to bring it up. I mean, it's a new year's show. It's between Christmas and new year's. Nobody wants to deal with that. I had no idea when Frank's son passed until during the interview, he said four days after Christmas, we just finished recording this. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, I didn't realize it was this time of year. I didn't realize it was right now. But stranger than that, his son passed four days after Christmas. This show airs four days after Christmas on December 29th. Uh, maybe it's a coincidence. You think what you want. But I, I think somebody... Somebody wanted to remind his dad that uh, that he's still watching. Um, and in, in total transparency, I just texted Frank the, and, and told him. And, you know, part of the reason I did it is, is if he, you know, like if he said, I ah, don't air it because it might be upsetting for my fan. I, I totally moved the show off and, and we could totally... Right away, he responded, that's perfect. I wouldn't have it other, any other way. And he said, there's been many times that he's proved to me that he's casting right beside me during events. So call it what you want. Um, my entire body is goosebumps right now. And I don't need another reason to be bigger or swollen more. So I'll just leave that topic and you guys think what you want. But... That's as open and honest. Uh, I could probably make this shorter and more polished if I did it different, but I just wanted to tell you guys as I found out because it, it you know, if this was planned, it's one thing, but, but to have it totally just, sometimes, sometimes things make your heart smile and even the, the saddest things can make your heart smile. And, uh, that just happened to me, but, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed this whole little adventure that we've done all year long uh, on this podcast. And um, it was weird the way this podcast started. 
But the good news is this podcast is going nowhere. This podcast is only going to get bigger. And um, we got some special stuff coming. I mean, I want to build it up. And I want to give you a big, like, wait till next week. Wait till the first show in the new year. But I also know that, like guests, I uh, delay sometimes. And there's a good chance that it might not be the first show in the new year. But if it is, I, I'm, we're going to do it. I mean, if it isn't, I'll make a really nice apology that it wasn't it ready. But wait, 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 wait until you see the first show in the new year. We're taking this podcast to a whole new freaking level. A whole new level. Um, and it's going to be pretty cool. And I, and I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, because you guys have made this podcast what it is. I mean, really, there's a bajillion of these out here. Um, but you guys have shown up week after week. You've grown our YouTube. Uh, we grew more in the second half of this year. Literally, statistically, we grew more in the second half of this year on YouTube than we did in the first 12 years on YouTube. Or comparatively, I mean, we had 35,000 subscribers from the first 12 years. We're over 71, 70, who knows what we're at. But if you're not part of it, you hit that clicky. Here's my New Year's resolution. I won't beg for likes and subscribes if everybody just goes likes and subscribes. I mean, I don't want to beg for that anymore. But, 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 but you make me because um, people aren't valued unless they get a lot of likes and subscribes nowadays. But I value you and hopefully you value me. So do that and I'll stop bagging and have a very, very happy new year. I'm parched. That's how weird this whole thing was for me. I'm like, ah, I got the pasties and I got no reason to have the pasties, ladies and gentlemen. Happy new year. Thanks for giving everything you've given to this podcast. And we'll see you next week with a bigger, better, badder show than you've ever imagined. Happy New Year. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?